Welcome to Engaging Truth. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. During the next 30 minutes, we will engage you with the only truth that matters, and that's the Word of God. Our world is broken, filled with sin and broken lives and broken people. But Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of our lives, is the provider of the ultimate truth. Jesus took your sin, my sin, and the sin of the whole world upon himself and has reconciled all of us back to God the Father. Nothing can be more relevant in our lives than Jesus and the Word of God. Let's join our host for the next 30 minutes. Good evening and welcome to Engaging Truth. My name is Dave Schultz. I'm the host of the program and my guest for this evening, Eric Reed. Welcome, Eric. Welcome, Dave. How are you? I'm terribly good. You're I, terribly live in good. De- I live in degrees <laughs> of well, so um, uh, that doesn't say an awful lot, but we could get into that discussion, but we shall not, because what's important is that we're going to get into a discussion about what God has called you to do. Where do you serve and what do you do? Well, currently I'm at Houston's First Baptist Church, and I'm the men's minister there. I also do a new new Christian ministry and work with an arts community called Imago. So uh, I guess discipleship would be sort of at the heartbeat of what I do. When we look at the very heartbeat of what you do, it deals with people, in particular men, right? It does. Uh, men from 18 to, you know, whatever, 100 and <laughs> 105. What has called you to get involved in that kind of ministry? Is there something that happened in your life that all of a sudden you've said, I've got to touch men with Jesus? I think uh, growing up, everybody has experiences that happen in their life. Um, so for me, I grew up uh, you know, with a mom and a dad in the home. Um, I, I would say a good family. But along the way, there were several points of uh, brokenness that happened, um, some inflicted by myself and Others, others inflicted upon me. I, you know, don't want to go too far down that because of limited time. But, but just to say, out of that, out of that woundedness in my life, Christ entered into that, and I saw Him bring freedom and light into my life. Where before there was a lot of darkness and bondage, and so out of that, that's my desire. I want that for other people as well. And as I have done different things, from working in a boys' home for troubled teens, um, seeing the influence of fathers in their sons' life for good or evil. It, it will grieve you when you begin to see those repercussions. And so I, get, I have one of the greatest jobs on the planet. I don't even call it a job. I'm, I'm doing what I love to do, and I get to meet with men, hear their story, and I, and I pray help them take the next step of faith. And, and so I see their challenges and struggles just, you know, I've got four kids of my own. <clears throat> Fatherhood is not easy. Marriage is not easy. Walking with Jesus daily is not easy. But, but it is great. It is good. It is worth every ounce of effort that we ever put into it. So I, I, I love getting to do that. Before we get into the substance of our discussion, let me just remind the audience that um, you can call in this evening at 1-800-808-5548, and you can ask your question of Eric, or you can text me at talk at engagingtruth.org, T-A-L-K at engagingtruth.org. You might also want to check out the website for past programs that we have Uh, done here at KKHT, and that are engaging truth. But I'd like to just focus right now for a few minutes on something that's been really on Eric's mind, and it happens to be a special movie that's coming up. Eric, tell me about that, why that is so important, and give someone a way to call and say, I want to see this too. Well, uh, the movie is called Absent, and it is a documentary that's won five different film festivals, 
and it is about the impact of fatherlessness in our nation, both upon men and women. Um, it basically travels, uh, the movie travels through the lives of five or six individuals. Some are famous and some are not, but they have that common thread. Um, I is real in my life because I, my father did not have a father. He abandoned him at conception, basically. And so I've seen the struggle in my dad's life and, and praise God that God has changed that. And we'll, we'll probably talk about some of that down the road here. Mm-hmm. But the, the way someone could actually engage with that film, we're going to be showing that. It's the premiere screening in the state of Texas of Absent this coming Wednesday night, 615 at Houston's First Baptist Church. And we're sort of at I-10 and 610. And so it's $5 to come into that movie. You can buy the tickets on the web or buy them at the door. Uh, I would say buy them on the web so that there's no line that you have to wait in. And we're going to show it. But the icing on the cake is Justin Hunt, who is the film producer and director. He's coming. In fact, he's flying in tonight. And I get to interview him, and he'll do some Q&A following that movie. So 6.15, we've got free child care. If you've got a, a school-aged child, we've got children's programming for that. If you've got a high school student, we've got free programming for them as well. It's all free. And then you could, husband and wife could go together, or a, a lady or a man could come. It's not a married thing only. It's, it's any man or any lady can come, watch this very powerful documentary, and then listen from Justin Hunt as we interview him about this very relevant topic. Are the tragedies of Newtown, Aurora, and others, um, would they benefit from, from seeing this movie as well? I'd have to say, I mean, statistically, if you look at the stats, you'd have to say it would be crazy not to view this. I mean, there is a common thread in almost every one of these tragedies, school shootings, when we begin to realize that when fatherlessness hits into the life of a man or a lady, a boy or a girl, there is a wound that happens. And out of that woundedness comes wounded people hurt people, you know, hurt people hurt people. Um if you can, could I give you a couple of statistics? Please I've, give some, yes. Yeah, so just just hear, hear some of these. Kids from a fatherless home are five times more likely to commit suicide, 32 times more likely to be a runaway, 20 times more likely to have behavioral disorder, 14 times more likely to commit violent rape, nine times more likely to drop out of school, 10 times more likely to abuse drugs, nine times more likely to end up in a state institution, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. I mean, those, those numbers should set off all sorts. I'm not saying there's a perfect cause and effect, but you would say it's a high positive correlation. And we can see these stories of kids, the Newtown shooter. That's his story. In fact, a, a speaker from Princeton said that is the elephant in the living room of America is fatherlessness, that we're discussing violent video games and too many guns. And I'm not saying that those don't have a factor, but the bigger factor is the fatherlessness and the woundedness in that young man. And if we don't address that as a nation, we will continue down this path of bloodshed and brokenness. And that that will be the greater tragedy. But you're listening, uh, but... but they're listening to the station tonight, to this particular program, a dad who says, you know, my wife does a good job taking care of the kids. I make the living, and weekends I golf. 
I mean, how do you address that uh, when fatherlessness is an issue of the stats you just broke, um, shared with me? Yeah, I mean, those stats I gave you there, uh, currently we have between 25 and 30 million children that don't have a dad in the home. What you're addressing is the dad that's present physically, but emotionally and spiritually, they're checked out. What do you do with this? I think number one, you know, I, I pray for this. I mean, I absolutely pray for this. It is it is pandemic in church, it, of all places, it's there. And so what what do we do about that? I'm like, I think we have to we have to teach our men, we have to call out to our men, we have to pray for that renewal, that revival for our men. And I, I think these tragedies, I don't I don't want to use a tragedy. I just think it brings stuff to the surface that we as a nation should talk about. And I find it ironic that people on the left and the right aren't talking about fatherlessness when that is, I think, one of the precipitating causes of Aurora, Columbine, Paducah, Kentucky. Yeah, all, all of these school shootings have that thing in common. And I think we've got to address that. So I, I, I hope I got that. Oh, yeah, but what comes in the way between... What we just talked about in addressing the issue, is there an elephant there somewhere that we got to remove before we can get to the issue? An elephant between a, a man that sits in a pew <clears throat> of a church exactly, and getting there? I, I think historically, you know, think theologically for a minute. Timothy, we are told by Paul that Timothy came to faith through his grandmother That's and right. his mother. No mention of his father. That's right. Okay. Now, manhood is, is, is bestowed by other men. So historically, there were rites of passages. There were a community of men that would initiate a younger man into that to say, now you are a man. As a country, as a culture, we don't have that anymore. And so to expect that a lady, you know, Paul was sent by God to Timothy to give Timothy manhood. That's what he was. Biblical manhood comes from biblical men. We can't have lukewarm men bestowing lukewarmness upon other men. It won't happen. And so I, I believe somewhere along the line, men got either passive, and I believe that's right right there, but also said, oh, I guess I'm not needed. You know, it's, it's been said that the church is a, is a female club with men's officers, okay? Mm -hmm. right. uh, I, I don't agree with that in our church. I think we're a healthy church with strong male and female leadership, but... But I do know churches that are like that, and I think we need to see strong, godly men and the way they teach the Word of God. I think our worship, it needs to be more anthemic. You know, we need to, we need to have a mighty fortress as our God. We need to have songs that call us to something more than a cuddly, soft Jesus, a, a bunny rabbit, or a baby doll. But and, and don't get me wrong, I mean, the Psalms are full of love language, and they're also full of aggressive, forceful rhetoric. And I think we need both in the body of Christ today. I think we're afraid of the latter. We want the soft, warm, fuzzy exactly. Jesus. And we've left the sovereign, holy, just God behind. And I think you need the tension of the two in our life. I know I need that in my life because sometimes the fear of God restrains apathy. And we have got a lot of men, I think, that struggle with that. You know, they're, they're tired. They think... Manhood can come from my wife to my son, and it won't. It won't. 
Does the fear of God create that willingness within these men you're talking about, or is there another factor? You know, I, I think that word fear of God today probably miscommunicates, and, and that's me using that word. I, I think a unbelievable, passionate pursuit of Christ, of, of knowing what he has forgiven us of, what he set down for us, what he invested in us, that's the gospel. That, that, Precisely. That, that the God of the universe has paid my price and set it aside to come and to dwell in me. That's what Paul says, the hope of glory is Christ in me and in you. We don't live like Christ lives in us as men. We don't. How could we, how could we log on to the computer at night and look at pornography? How could we do that if Christ lives in me? And I'm fully aware of that. So I think, I think what Martin Luther said you know, he said that every day, every day we should preach the gospel to ourselves. And, and Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, he said that the gospel that we believed in which we stand and then future tense by which we are being transformed so that the gospel is evangelistic and discipleship. We never outgrow the gospel of Christ. And I think we've boxed it up a little bit. And we said, did you pray a prayer? Well, good for you. You're a good man now. Now we don't need you anymore. Let the, let the official pastor teach and visit. I remember my dad, as I was a little kid coming back from church, he was complaining that the pastor had not visited one of the ladies at the church. And I was like, well, dad, and we're in the back of the station wagon. I'm like, dad, you knew about her being in the hospital, didn't you? He's like, yes. I said, why didn't you visit her? He said, well, I'm not paid to visit her. He's paid to visit her. No, Ephesians 4 makes it very clear that we are all ambassadors and ministers for Christ, that some are given to teach, but we're all given to minister. And I believe we have an unemployment problem in the church. We have men who have been told by the church, we don't need your gifts we don't need your strength. We don't need your creativity. We don't need your willingness to fix problems. Man, we need all of that. I mean, I'm asking Jesus to raise up those men, and when I meet them, I love it. We just launched a ministry this year called Men Serve, and it came about by a guy named Bill Neighbors and a couple of other men that, that just have a heart for that, but they're, these guys work on homes, and so seeing these men step and take their giftedness and then mobilize that missionally, man, they, that comes alive. And I'm seeing men come alive serving our widows at our church, and we, we love it. And so I think just telling a guy that, hey, just hear a sermon every week, and that's great, that doesn't appeal to me. I mean, there's a lot better content I can get somewhere else. That's right. But to call me to be a part of a missionary force whether it's eradicating fatherlessness and addressing it through mentorship or, or addressing the needs of widows, standing in the gap for justice, that gets me out of bed in the morning. That fires me up. Okay, and I, I think that motivates men. I think they, they see a bigger mission than just go to church and be a good man. I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for my son. Please don't hear me saying I don't want him involved in church, but we are the church. It's not a building. It's not a building. It's a living organism, a community that Christ fashioned. And so 
he's called us to be on mission. And, and I'm saying when we get on mission, I think our men come along with us. And I think our men can show us where God's at work by their passions and interests sometimes. And that's where some of these ministries are popping up now. What what could some of the good wives do to offer encouragement to to their husbands who kind of are hanging on the sideline? Go to church, you know, um, go to communion, contribute, um, go to the chicken supper on Sunday night. What can they do to help out? Uh, browbeat them and guilt them all the time? No. There's no. got to be a better way. No, there, there is. And, and I think it starts with prayer. I remember one of the, the coolest experiences. I've got a great wife. We've been married 15 years. Her name's Stacy. A beautiful, beautiful lady. And she's a great mom. But, but one of the highlights, I remember we had probably been married about three or four years. And, and I was struggling through an area. I think we'd been married three years when this happened. I was struggling in an area of addiction in my own life. I was a Christian. I read the Bible. I prayed. I was a good man. But there was an area of bondage in my life. And I'd hid it from my wife. I hid it when we dated. I hid it when we were engaged. And I brought that into my marriage. Okay? I found a book on her nightstand. It was The Power of a Praying Wife by Stormy O'Mardian. Love that book. Okay? I think one of the greatest things a wife can do is to intercede for her husband in prayer. To pray fervently for his conviction, for him to be in the word. I don't think guilt is the mode to go. I think encouragement is. And I think I have seen God put things together. A wife visited me once about her husband, and she just said, I'm really worried about my husband, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, pray. And she prayed, and God began to bring some men into his life that had some similar hobbies. And so for for women out there, I say cultivate godly relationships with women that have men in the same sphere as your husband's in. Have them over to the house. You'll be together that way is a huge deal. Um, I think support them. Like, let them know you respect them. I mean, I'll I'll tell you, I rise up when my wife says, I think think that's a decision, whatever you decide, we're going to go with that. Well, that, man, I, I get on my knees when that happens. But if she's going to tell me, well, this is what we're going to do, and this is when we're going to do it, and, well, then you don't need me. I, I'll, I'm going to sit back. Sure, I'll sit back and watch TV then. But if you need me, I'll be there. And, and I, so I, I'm saying I think there's this given this take that has to happen. And uh, I'm not saying for women to wait on men, but I think we've got to create a space for those men to step up and lead. I think those men have to be challenged by other men specifically. The church needs to challenge their men more. Uh, Our pastor, uh, Pastor Greg Mott, has done for this year in 2013, he's challenged us to go through the Bible. And he's got journals. He's put a reading plan together. And our whole church is stepping into this to say, let us, if we say we believe that God transforms lives, and let us invest in the Word of God and let the Word of God dwell richly in us. And I believe we're going to see this groundswell of changed lives as the Word of God begins to wash our minds and wash our hearts and set people free. And so I I think having pastors to be vocal in that. So a wife that's sitting on the sidelines, I'm like, that's not going to happen. It won't help. And a wife that's badgering and pushing. But between the two, I think, is a healthy balance of, yes, it's okay to speak your mind, but do it respectfully. 
But man, if you're not praying for every, if you talk to your husband for a minute, you ought to be praying for an hour or two hours. And I think that's a good balance to keep. And I think my wife did that for years in my life. And I, I thank Jesus for that. I really do. That inspires me. Well, that experience alone has caused you to have a passion for other men who may have been stuck or are are stuck where you were stuck. How can you help them right now? Because they've heard this. They've heard where you came from. They've heard the sword in your heart and you and they've heard it was prayer from Stacy that 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 got you to the point of realization of what you need to do. How can you help them? Well, I think uh, I think Number one is to know that no matter what you've done, no matter what path you've been on, if we remember the story of the prodigal son, know that that's really the story of the faithful father. It's the story of a gracious father who is ready to receive you back, a father that can change everything. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says that, it, that I am a new creation in Christ. Revelation 21, Christ says, Behold, I am making all things new. Dave, that's all things. That's not... That's not one thing in my life. That's well, he'll make my he'll make my marriage better. No, he's gonna make he's gonna make my marriage, my finances, uh, my children, my freedom, all of that will grow because he's at work in us for his glory. And so I would say to those men, you can't do it alone. We're told to confess our sins. You need to find a safe community of men that you can actually begin to build trust with, so you could say, hey. I need help. Uh, there are things like celebrate recovery if you're an, an addict. Uh, it is like a, a very supportive community for recovery. It's grace-filled. It's not judgmental. And I, I think I needed that in my life. I didn't need another guy passing judgment. I needed to be able to let my wife know, this is what I've done. Forgive me. And then I needed some godly men in my life. So if you're doing it alone, it won't happen. Discipleship is not a man alone. It's a community called the church. It's it's brothers in Christ, arm to arm. I love the Easy Company band of brothers. You know, mm-hmm. Th- those guys were in the trenches together, and they were on mission together, and they still, although they're years separated apart, you see that documentary and you see the love that they have for one another. I believe we've got to recapture that. Our men's ministry is, in fact, called Band of Brothers. And, uh, and I believe that we have to call men to biblical friendship. And I think we've got to come to the word, to prayer. I don't know if that gets all the answer. I mean, I think it's a longer answer than that, but. It's a great start. But w- what I want to know from you is that there, there are men who have caught a portion of this conversation tonight. And they're struggling with the issues that you've talked about <clears throat> and, that, and that you've uncovered. Um, invite them this coming Wednesday night, give them a firm invitation and tell them why. Because we've just got two minutes to, to finish this. That's it, two minutes. Wow. Okay. Um, I would say to those men that we in our country today are seeing the aftermath. We're seeing the shift of bloodshed and brokenness in marriages, in our families, It is not going to get better. It is a season that if we don't stand up as men, become aware, be equipped, and actually live out the gospel, it will not go away. Hollywood will not solve it. No legislation will solve it. The only hope in our day and time is for men and women to stand for Christ and to courageously step forward. And so this film 
I, I believe it is, is one of the most important documentaries of my life and my children's life. The next 20 years will be shaped by this epidemic of fatherlessness. And so I would say to those men to come with an open heart, to bring their spouses, or come as a group of men and watch it and just ask Jesus, what am I to do with this fact that I now know is, is influencing the entire country? Eric, you've been a wonderful guest. Uh, um, oftentimes when you get so impassioned by this, you, you think you've just passed three minutes and you've passed almost 30 minutes. So thank you for being with us, and we'll do thanks this for, again. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we'll do this again, and thank you. Come back to us next week, Engaging Truth. Good night. Good night. Thank you for joining us on Engaging Truth. You know, there really is only one truth that matters, and it is found in Jesus Christ and the Word of God. That truth has transformed millions of lives, your life and mine. And if you would like more information on Engaging Truth, you may contact us at elmhouston.org. That's elmhouston.org. Join us next week, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. and Sunday nights at 7.30 p.m. on 100.7 FM, The Word. KKHT and KKHT.com.